Mental Capacity Act is a term you are likely to come across when dealing with the diagnosis of dementia. But what does it mean and how does this piece of law affect the daily lives of those living with dementia? Hello, I'm Hannah and in this edition of the podcast I speak to Information Officer Sam about the Mental Capacity Act of 2005. What is the Mental Capacity Act of 2005? The Mental Capacity Act is the bit of law in England that explains um, sort of when somebody can and can't make a decision for themselves. And because of that, it's quite important because it does explicitly state that everybody, no matter whether somebody's got dementia or whatever else, everybody should be able to make a decision for themselves unless it can be proven that they cannot do that. It also provides a lot of provision about what somebody can do to plan ahead for a time when maybe they can't make a decision for themselves. Does that apply to everyone in the UK? The Mental Capacity Act 2005 only currently applies in England and Wales. There's different legal system in Scotland and currently there is no capacity law in Northern Ireland that has been developed as we speak. What are the principles of the Act? The first principle is the fact that every person within England and Wales has the right to make their own decisions and the right to be assumed to have capacity. And that's fundamental because before this came in, that wasn't really clear-cut as that. So it's a basic for us, that means that you can't just turn around and say to somebody, you've got dementia, you can't make a decision, because we have to assume that every person can until we can prove that they can't make the decision. The second principle of the Act is that we must help somebody with all practicable steps to enable a person to make their own decisions. That might be choosing the right time of day for somebody, might be providing the right information, might be using things such as sign language or pictures or other ways of providing that information or explaining the information for somebody. The third principle of the Act is that um, we are allowed to make unwise decisions. And that's the idea that, you know, we all in our everyday lives make unwise decisions. I mean, how many of us put a knife in the toaster? We all make unwise decisions. So the Act is just protecting our ability to do that. And the difference is, though, is that to make an unwise decision, we have to understand the consequences of that decision and that it is an unwise one. So the fourth principle is that if a decision is made for somebody, it must be in their best interests. So that's crucial because we don't want decisions being made that, you know, the best interests of, say, a carer or the family or the care home rather than the person themselves. The final principle is the idea that, again, any decision made for us um, will be the least restrictive. So it's looking at all the available options and making sure that it is the least restrictive. How is capacity judged and who judges it? Under the Capacity Act, there is also a code of practice that goes alongside it to kind of give us more details, more practical guidance. And within that, it's it's quite clear and it states that literally anybody can make an assessment of capacity. And people always look at me quite strange when I say that because it's seen as a legal document. But the reason for that is to enable some flexibility. So if you imagine you've got a husband and wife and say the husband's got dementia and they wake up in the morning and the wife, you know, isn't sure whether, for example, he can decide what he wants to eat that morning or what he wants to wear that morning, instead of having to phone a social worker or a doctor or a solicitor or whoever else, the Act says that anybody can make those day-to-day decisions, therefore the wife can decide, you know, I don't feel my husband can make this decision this morning, so I'm going to help him to, to pick what he's going to wear and what he's going to eat. And so it's for those everyday decisions that can be a carer, a family member, for the more complex decisions, such as selling of a house, choosing a care plan, a care home, those sorts of things that really do impede on somebody's life, then the person that makes that 
judgment about whether somebody can make that decision should be a professional such as a social worker, a doctor, a solicitor. How are best interests assessed? Best interests, um, again, this is sort of defined more within the code. And there's a number of things that it suggests, and this is quite empowering as well for families, because within that it states that when a best interest decision is being made, families, friends, carers should also be consulted, because obviously families tend to know somebody better than a professional that might never have met them. It also states that they should enable participation of the person. Because somebody doesn't have capacity to make the decision, it doesn't mean they haven't got a, a viewpoint on it. So you need know, to speak to the person to see what they want. It's also the matter of looking at somebody's past, present and future preferences, again to see what they, they would have wanted. And when a best interest decision is made, it shouldn't be made discriminatory. So it shouldn't be you know, solely, for example, based on somebody's dementia. It should look at the person as an individual, not any diagnosis that they have. What are some of the key areas that the Mental Capacity Act can affect the lives of a person with dementia? I personally see the Mental Capacity Act as being the most important bit of law for a person with dementia and that's because we've got the five principles and they clearly state that a person with dementia should be allowed to make all decisions for themselves unless it can be proven that they cannot make that and that's massively empowering. And you've also got the principle that somebody just because they've got dementia you know it doesn't mean they can't make a decision but also means they should be helped and empowered to make that decision and again so those principles again crucial for somebody with dementia to enable them to make unwise decisions and also those protections of when they can't make a decision of acting in best interest and least restrictive but also with the capacity act as well as looking at the decision making ability it looks at the future so it enables a person with dementia to decide i potentially can't make certain decisions in the future so i would like you know my son my daughter i mean you know, my partner to, to make these decisions for me about my finances about my welfare my health my care as well as that the mental capacity act also gives people the opportunity to write down their advanced decision an advanced decision is about making the options now about refusing life-sustaining treatment in the future how does the mental capacity act relate to lasting power of attorney the mental capacity act is what created lasting powers of attorney. It's one of the very crucial parts of it that enable all of us to be empowered to make decisions now about who we'd like to take over our decision making if there was a time we could not. And the Capacity Act sort of states how they're set up, how they're created, the powers of attorney can have. Where can I go for more information? We ourselves have got a number of fact sheets on this. We have a very general fact sheet on the Mental Capacity Act, which outlines the principles and, and what the Act is itself. We also then have some practical guidance. So we have our Lasting Powers of Attorney fact sheet. We have also the Advanced Decisions and Advanced Statement fact sheet, which includes a template form that you can use. And finally, and it's once more aimed at carers, we have a fact sheet called Making Decisions and Managing Difficult Situations. And that actually picks out a number of scenarios where a carer might need to make a decision for somebody and kind of list those steps that they should take to fit within the law. And as well as that, there is a National Dementia Helpline as well. For more information, please visit alzheimers.org.uk or follow the National Dementia Helpline on 0300 Thank you for listening to the Alzheimer's Society podcast. <laughs>